Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. This week, we're taking a little bit of a pause on that series as he brings forth a word called Pass Down These Truths. So let's welcome Pastor RJ to the platform. Good morning, good morning. How is everyone doing today? Hope you're all well and good. So, all you mothers are most of you having a good day. Some of you a not so good day. I have a joke for you. Well, it's kind of a joke. Um, One of my friends had posted this a few weeks ago and we thought it might be pretty funny for today. So here's the caption. Ready? The caption. Sent my husband to the grocery store with this list. Then turned my phone off. So, men, let's see how we do with this. 3% milk. Seedless strawberries. Fat-free hummus. Wheat thins, but only the ones in the blue box. Unsour cream. Diet Diet Coke. It's new, you might have to ask. Um, Mellow cheese. I put this one in. Cow bacon sausage. Organic Pop-Tarts. Banana nut Cheerios. And some of you say, but they have, no, they don't have them anymore. Uh, Potato-free french fries. Some of the kids, they really like those Fruit Loop straws and a pack of edible paintballs. I've done enough shopping, I don't think I would have fell for too many of those, although every now and then she has something on the list and I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Anyhow, um, I, I forgot to do this at first service. Yeah. Hey, Derek, say really loud and I'll repeat it. What do I see out my window in the morning when I look out in my backyard? The seventh tee of Seven Lakes Golf Course. And on Saturday morning when I woke up, there was a bunch of guys with bags over their head and they weren't very good at golf either. Send them your way? You're going to teach them how to play hockey? You're going to teach them how to play golf? (laughs) Sorry, guys. Some of you will not get that joke at all. Ay, ay, ay. Let's leave the joke stuff. Establishing truth. Today, I'm going to talk to you about passing down these truths, okay? And the first thing we have to do is establish what is truth. Now, how many think that you have the monopoly on truth? I don't know everything, so I don't have a monopoly on truth, you know? Um, For many years uh, in human history, um, only the wealthy were actually the ones that were, had the ability and the financing to get things written down. It wasn't until a couple hundred years ago when they developed a printing press that people were able to get documents that could record things for the sake of historical reference. So it used to be that truth was passed down verbally, the oral tradition from generation to generation to generation. Now, how many of you 
your parents told you some stories about your family history or about how, what life was like for them when they were younger. Oh, come on. I'm sure all of you have heard something to the effect of, I walked to school in the snow, uphill, both ways. But the thing is this, if you can't discern truth from a lie, how are you going to be able to commit truth to the next generation? How are you going to be able to take any truth and commit it to others if you can't determine truth from lie? Here's the truth. My heart is that all of you mothers have a wonderful day, including my wife. Happy Mother's Day, love. Now, (laughs) tolerance. And they're like, is he really going there right now? Tolerance today often means affirmation and acceptance. Now, the original definition of tolerance is what I want to get to because it meant that Ken and I could have a difference of opinion on something, but we could respect and tolerate and respect one another and love one another, as we should. But there's no rejection there when I disagree with his idea or his point of view. Today, if you don't affirm someone in their point of view... You could be considered a bigot. You could be considered violent. You could be, why are you so hateful? Why are you hating on me? Okay. But that's not tolerance at that point. It's, it's a hijacked definition of it. But see, I can tolerate a difference, but I may not be interested in celebrating someone's different point of view than mine. It's quiet in here. Listen, I have some Muslim friends, and I love and I respect them. And uh, we tolerate each other's point of view when we have conversations on religion. But we also understand that our religious practice is going to be a little bit different. As a practicing Muslim, my friend does not partake of the Lord's Supper or what we call communion. He practices the Muslim faith. He doesn't practice the Christian faith. I understand that should he even be in the room today, he's not going to participate in that because what? He's a practicing Muslim. And he understands that when I pray, I don't face Mecca because there's no Qibla in Christianity. We pray to the creator. We don't have to face a certain direction when we pray. Now, while we are respectful for one another, we have our core beliefs that we have, and there's no need for myself or for him, my Muslim friend, to affirm one another's beliefs because in our opinion, we have a difference of beliefs. So I might believe that some of his beliefs are wrong and he might believe that some of my beliefs are wrong. We have a lot of shared beliefs, but there's, there's things on the person and work of Jesus that we're going to absolutely disagree on. But I don't have to affirm his wrong belief and he doesn't have to affirm my belief because he thinks my belief is wrong. Are you following me on this? 73% of 18 to 39-year-olds surveyed, can everyone say 73%? Believe... This is born-again Christian kids, kids that call themselves Christ followers, okay? 73% of 18 to 39-year-olds surveyed believe it is important to affirm as truth the religious beliefs of others. Okay? That's the new tolerance gone to seed. I just explained to you how it should be where we agree to disagree, but we don't have to affirm each other's beliefs as truth when we disagree on that. Okay, 
The 18 to 39, three in four 18 to 39 year olds today believe that it's really important that they affirm as truth someone else's beliefs. Now, why is this important? As Christ followers, we believe the words of Jesus are truth. Okay. In John 14, six, I'll read it out of the Amplified. Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God in the real truth, in the real life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So if Jesus says, I'm the way to God, I am truth, and I am life, any worldview or religion that disagrees with that statement would be false to a Christ follower because we believe the words of Jesus to be true. Okay, and it gets even better, and I'll get to this a little bit later, but when he rose from the dead, he kind of proved to everyone, I am who I say I am, just like they sang about. <laughs> I am God, I conquered death, right? Now, some years ago, I remember I was uh, talking to a man who identified as a pagan. Now, no problem. I asked him, though, to qualify his belief as a pagan. And because there's many, many versions of paganism, just like there's different camps in Christianity and there's different um, sects within uh, different religions. Um, he couldn't really tell me anything about paganism except that he identified as a pagan. Now, I can tell you that Christians in the early church actually were the ones that started using that word pagan. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't really something that people identified as, as a religious sector group until a couple hundred years ago. Uh, mostly it was just people that didn't follow the way. But, but what happens is this guy I was talking to was a non-practicing pagan. Sounds fun. But I was sincerely inquiring about his belief because I, I, not to convert over to paganism or to affirm him in his belief, but for me, as I have conversations with people, I like to determine and inquire about their authenticity based on the agreement with their lifestyle and their professed beliefs. Now, we're Christ followers here. If you profess that you're a Christian or a Christ follower, is your life authentic and do your values and lifestyle reflect one that is consistent with the truth that the scriptures and the words of Jesus teach us? That's authentic Christianity. But if there's a disagreement between your professed and your lived beliefs, then there's, it, it creates a wavering, right? Years ago, I found myself in Dallas and, and I was... Uh, studying different churches and how people worship, different styles of worship and different ways that people go about worshiping. So for one semester, I found myself jumping from church to church to observe the style of worship. And I went to some of the biggest churches in the Dallas area, the Christian evangelical churches. But this one particular day, I found myself quite by accident in a universal Unitarian church. And I'll admit, they were loving and kind, maybe more loving and kind than some of the other evangelical churches that I was in. And shame on us in Christendom, should that be the truth. But when I started asking them about their beliefs, their answer was essentially, we have no set of beliefs. And I said, well, isn't that a belief that you have no set of beliefs? And they were like, no, 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 we live according to seven principles. I said, well, isn't that your, isn't that your creed? No, we don't have a creed. 
They go by reason, not creed. And then I started to get confused because I'm like, okay, but if you don't believe anything, then what do you, you, it's it's choose your own religion. Remember the old choose your own adventure books? Uh, Some of you aren't old enough to know what that is. They had these books where as you were reading, it would be choice A or choice B. And if you chose choice A, you turn to page 36. And if you chose choice B, you went to page 72 and you choose your own adventure. And there was multiple ways the story could outcome. Man, wouldn't Christianity be awesome if it worked out that way? You could have your favorite sin. Oh, no. You don't get to choose your own religion. You don't get to interpret the Bible according to how you think it should look. Okay. In 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 2, and I'll read through to 14 through the next few minutes. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm listening to Paul talking to Timothy, his spiritual son, it sounds a lot like he's telling Timothy to go make disciples who make disciples. Are you hearing that same language here when you attend here sometimes? We're people who go make disciples who make disciples. Isn't that what we're called to do? But then he goes on from that and he says, number one, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay, wait, I came here on Mother's Day. I wanna be encouraged. I wanna be told I have to endure suffering. But the truth is, you're a soldier. I don't wanna be a soldier, but you were enlisted when you gave your life to Christ and you obey your commanding officer. You're in a kingdom. Remember, we've covered this in other lessons. We don't live in a democracy for Christianity, we live in a kingdom for Christianity. You don't get a vote about what's right. You don't get to determine what's truth because truth is not relevant to your moral code. Truth is relevant to what the scriptures say it is and God's word is truth if you're a Christ follower. People that are not Christ followers do not adhere to the truth of the scripture nor do they need to. They will have to have a conversation with the creator about that someday if the Christian teaching is truth. Soldiers endure, so I want to link this. If you're a mom, you've probably endured suffering at some point in your journey, starting with childbirth. (laughs) Okay. While every mother endeavors to listen to Jesus and impart to their children when they raise them, I want mothers to understand, and I want you to listen very carefully because Oftentimes, we, may, we start basing our identity based on how our children are or who our children are or how they behave or how they act or the choices they make, but your identity is first and foremost in Christ. It's not in your children. Your children are entrusted to your care. You love them. You equip them for life. You do your best to train them. But at the end of the day, okay, We're soldiers in the army of God. We have to listen first and foremost to what his instructions are. Now, Aaron Wilson talks about how parents are not judged by their 
actions of their children, but their actions toward their children. And he goes on in his, in his articles and he talks about how in Luke 15, when Jesus talks about the, uh, the wayward son, how many know about the wayward son? There was, there was one child that went off and he kind of did his own thing in the world and he squandered his inheritance. But the father who in the parable is really God welcomed him back. Okay. But are you saying, wait, God had a wayward son? Well, in the real world that we live in, all of us are sons and daughters of the creator, but how many know that there's many that are not back in relationship with him at this point? God still loves them. He still died for them. And he would gladly welcome each and every one of those wayward children back into his kingdom. See, at the end of the day, we're all adult sinners who should be mature. <laughs> and we raise children who are at various levels of maturity <laughs> or immaturity inside of their life, but they're also sinners. And, and the truth is, because all of us have broken God's law, none of us are qualified, right? So, so Jesus is the only, the only one that ever raised a perfect child was Mary and Joseph. And they only did it once and then they couldn't do it again. I think they had a little help by the spirit of God that was dwelling within Jesus. But, you know, he was the only one that lived perfect and sinless. Even his other brothers and sisters, they sinned. Just like you did, just like your kids will, just like your grandchildren will. Okay. Moms endure suffering. And then he goes on and he talks about athletes. Uh, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life or they can't please an officer who enlisted. Athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And I was thinking about this. Now, moms, have you ever had to chase your child across the grocery store? It is amazing how fast that little two-year-old can move. Or have you ever cleaned up like all the toys and put them where they belong and then like five minutes later you couldn't tell that you did anything? Or you run around and you're, and you're feeding and you're clothing and you're changing and you're, and you're training and you're trying to spend time with and you're exhausting yourself and at the end of the day sometimes you sit down tired. Has any mom ever sat down at the end of the day and you said, I'm pretty tired? The ones that said never, I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> athletes, athletes require consistent training over time, right? It's, it's consistent. And, and moms, sometimes you feel like that athlete. You just go, 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 and you get tired, you get weary. But it tells us in Galatians not to be weary and well-doing. And then farmers is the next part of this passage, a hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. And then think about what I'm saying, the Lord will help you understand. You know, farmers, you plant instruction and you plant seeds of hope in your children. And it's frustrating when sometimes some other seeds gets in there, doesn't it? Isn't it? You know, where my house, I think they grow soybeans. I'm not really that good. Pastor Larry's not here to help me. But the, the soybeans, they grow about this tall at the end. I don't know, whatever. But then in the middle of the field, you see these plants that go really, and it's clearly that that plant was not one that the farmer planted because sometimes other seeds get in there with the crops. 
Has anyone had that issue with their lawn right now during dandelion season? I have a personal vendetta against those things. I love dandelion tea, but I don't like them in my lawn. And I have this cool little contraption and I just... Goodbye dandelions. And then it leaves craters in your lawn. But see, farmers, moms are like farmers too because they're planting seeds. They're sowing instruction into their kids and sometimes other seed gets in there. And then your children, it's so frustrating when those other seeds take root in their hearts sometimes. But then he goes on. This is Paul talking. And he says in verse eight, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. That is the good news I preach. And because of this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be chained. So I'm willing to endure anything if it'll bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And when I'm looking at that, you know, moms, really for all of us, share the good news with your children and share the good news with others. What's the good news? Jesus was raised from the dead. Why is the resurrection of Christ kind of important? That's the message of hope. Jesus came to earth through a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He grew up among us. Jesus did. Sinless, without fault. He never broke any of God's commands. He's the only perfect kid there ever was. And he set the bar so high that none of us could ever achieve that standard. But because of that, he was qualified to die on a tree, die on a cross for all of us. And his blood was spilled as a payment, a penalty, a sacrifice for your sins because you broke the law. And see, repentance from sin plus faith equals forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And the resurrection of Jesus when he was raised from the dead proved, I am who I said I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life because no other religious figure in history can claim resurrection. None of them. They all have tombs. They all have graves. Jesus, empty. Let your children see you share the love of God. Let them see you share the message of hope, not just with them, but to others. As Christ followers, we live this way. And then it goes on, actually, in verse 11, and, and it talks about a trustworthy, if we die with him, we're gonna live with him. If we endure hardship, we get to reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Wait, what? I wanted a happy message today. Well, his words are still truth. See, I don't get to determine this is truth and this is lie. The standard is the word of God. The Bible is the standard for truth. He's the one that establishes the moral code. He's the moral lawgiver. He's the one that wrote it. I didn't. I didn't speak the world into existence. I didn't create the world. Jesus did. So because of his ability to rule over the entire universe and set things in order, he set up his law. He set up the rules that govern. I mean, how do you know God created gravity? If I stop 
off this, I will fall to earth. 9.8 meters per second per second, <laughs> right? Like, it's gonna happen. Now, if I could deny it, I could like walk on air. I'm not gonna try that because I wanna hurt myself. But see, God created the earth. God created the law. God created the natural law. He created the spiritual law. If you deny him, he'll deny you. If you're unfaithful though, it says he remains faithful for he can't deny who he is because God is forever in love with his children. Even his children who are not in relationship with him at the moment. But then he says in verse 14, remind everyone. How many people should be reminded about these things and command them in God's presence? Stop fighting over words. Stop arguments. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. So we're looking at this here where it says to remind everyone of these things. And how many know moms are great at reminding people about things? How many moms are good at reminding your kids about stuff? My hope is none of you, um, none of you have adult children that don't live with you and you still call them and remind them about stuff, do you? Once in a while, is that what someone said? <laughs> Once in a while. Paul is telling us all really to remind people about the message of hope. He's reminding us to remind people. He's telling us to remind all people about the message of hope. What's the message of hope? I just went through that. But let me ask you this question. How many have a story? Okay, the rest of you, you just kind of randomly showed up here. There's no story to your life. I didn't ask you if you think it would be a good story. I just said, how many have a story? In Revelations 12, verse 11, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. How do we overcome in Christianity? Well, obviously the blood of Jesus gives us authority our testimony gives us encouragement and we encourage one another. You know, I was laughing at this weird conversation I had the other day, actually with uh, Mitchell and Bethel. And I don't even know how we got on the, on, the, on the topic. But somehow, somewhere along the way, they got me started talking about every time that I encountered or was in very dangerous situations in my travels, like when the guy pulled out a gun and started shooting at the bus I was on or, you know, that kind of stuff. And... I started recounting some of the crazy things that I experienced, like the guy that got ran out, like the guy that, anyways, like that kind of stuff. And like 20 minutes later, I was like, oh my goodness, I could probably tell stories like this all day. Now, those stories really serve very little value except to uh, maybe caution them that if they travel in some of those regions to walk around with your eyes open and pay attention to what's going on. But really, in the world we live in today, you should probably walk around with your eyes open most of the time. Be alert, be situationally aware. I try to tell my kids all the time, be aware of the situation. Read the room. You know, you're walking down the street and there's 22 guys over there that look like they're up to no good. Don't walk up and say, hey guys, how's it going? Can I have the time? <laughs> but you know, the conversations that are most important 
are our testimonies about the time that I was struggling and God saw me through. Or the time that I was discouraged and I put my worship on and I started praising and I started to feel better. Or the time that I was struggling with, you fill in the blank. Has God ever ministered to your heart? Has God ever done anything for you? Not to mention the fact that he saved you from a life of sin and he granted you forgiveness and eternal life. But has God encouraged you? Has God healed you from? Has God delivered you from? Has God freed you from? Has God restored you to? Right? Tell others about that. Tell one another. Tell others about that. Why? Because there's a mutual encouragement in that and other people can see that your faith is real. I never suggested to you that following Christ makes every, all your problems go away. For eternity, maybe, when you get there. But while you're on earth, we have to endure suffering. It's part of the journey but in your weakness, he can show himself strong. His grace comes into the moments when you just don't have enough strength to do it on your own or when you've really messed up and you've fallen on your face and you're going, okay, God, this is not working very good right now. Has anyone ever been there? So share your story. Share your testimony. Let others know of the goodness of God in your life. That's something that is well within your ability and your authority to do. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology to share your testimony. And the truth is, you can have a doctorate in theology and people will argue with you on your theology. You might think you're right. They might think they're right. Happens all the time. But here's the thing. Your story no one can argue with your story. You can argue with my doctrine, but you can't argue with my experience. That God has preserved me, God has healed me, God has delivered me, God has seen me through. And step by step on this journey, whether it's a good day or a not so good day, where things work out how I like them to or how I don't think they're supposed to, I can look to my creator who I know loves me and he's got a call on my life and an assignment and I can serve him and I can have peace that goes beyond my understanding. In the midst of chaos all around me, I can have peace because that's what my scriptures tell me. But see, if you do not understand foundationally that the Bible, the inspired scripture, the word of God is God's revelation to man and his truth and the standard for truth, then what is your moral compass? Your internal compass? You think you have the ability to determine what's right or what's wrong? None of us have that ability. If you think within you, you have the ability to determine right and wrong, because what's right for you might be wrong for someone else. All I can say is, when God says it's right, it's right even if people disagree with it, and they will. And he gives them the freedom to do so. All right, let's stand together. You know, as we come to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they call it communion. We look within, right? We look at our hearts. 
You don't wanna have unforgiveness in your heart. You don't have bitterness in your heart. You don't have resentment in your heart. The Bible talks about we receive forgiveness, but we also have to release forgiveness. And as you're looking within, ask yourself some questions. Ask God, you know, hey God, is there anything in my heart that's not from you? And I find when people become Christ followers, oftentimes some of the very outward sins go away very quickly. They clean up the way they live and the way they speak and they stop messing around with things they shouldn't be messing around with and, or sometimes. But you know, after 20 or 30 years as a Christ follower or 40 years as a Christ follower, you're still in this process of sanctification and the Holy Spirit's still pointing out areas inside of your heart that he would like more aligned with the truth from his word. And sometimes we're like, but God, I already dealt with anger. Yeah, well, you're gonna deal with some more anger on a deeper level. So as you're looking at your heart today, because you are responsible for your heart. No one else can be responsible for you. Even your mom isn't responsible for your heart. You are responsible for your heart. And you have to ask yourself, am I in good standing with my creator? Have I released forgiveness towards those who have wronged me? Am I living my life as a Christ follower? Am I living it in harmony with the scriptures and the truth that are presented there? Or am I creating my own version of Christianity and my own version of life? Father, as all of us come to you, I thank you that in your brokenness on the cross, you released healing to your people. Heal every body that's broken right now. Heal every mind, every wound, as we purpose to look to you, our God, for healing, for restoration, and for peace in Jesus' name. Lord, as we have the cup in our hand today, we look at the blood of Jesus who was spilled for our sins. Lord, I, I get a sense that there's a whole slew of emotion in the room from happiness to sadness, from grief to anger. Some have lost loved ones and it's really hard right now. Some have wayward children and it's really hard right now. Some are living in the bliss of the moment and everything seems good. Others are struggling. Some are single, they wanna be married. Some wanna have children but haven't yet. Many different emotions. you gave us emotion and it's very real and for each person here Lord whether they're super happy and glad and feeling content and peace or whether they're sad and sorrowful and depressed and discouraged 
Your blood was shed so that we can receive forgiveness, so that we can receive freedom from sin, and so that your spirit can dwell within us to help us to navigate whatever season we're in. And right now, Lord, in the moment, we look to you for strength. We look to you for grace. We look to you, the God of hope, to bring hope out of the hopeless places right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that at the cross, you release the power of God most fully to humans in your sacrifice so that we can receive forgiveness and right standing with you. Even better, three days later, you rose from the dead, conquering death once and for all so that we humans can live forever with you. Today, Jesus, as we partake of the, of the element of the blood, Lord, your body, unify us, heal us, restore us, and special blessing on all the moms right now. In Jesus' name. So Dave and Carolyn will come for the benediction, but immediately after, if you need prayer for whatever reason, please come to the altar and we will minister with you at that time. God bless you all. Thank you so much, Pastor RJ. That was an amazing message, wasn't it? So simple um, to pass down truth to other people, to other generations, just by telling your story. So as I was thinking uh, this week on the, um, the title of the sermon, it just caused me to look inward and just say, you know, what have I passed down to my kids? And I thought, well, you know, I, I passed down some recipes, passed down some photographs, um, some family traditions perhaps, but then realized that those things are not eternal. Those things are not going to last. And we have raised our kids um, in the church. They've grown up from day one in the church. And they don't always choose to be here. And that's okay. We love them. But I just want to encourage you that uh, when you make a choice to pass something down to your kids, make it something that's eternal. And God's word is eternal. And when you speak that word over your kids, uh, it will not return void. Thinking a whole bunch about mothers today. I was thinking about... Uh youngsters, uh, toddlers, when uh, you're growing up, you're continually looking at mom for the answer. You reach out your hand when you need something, she's feeding you, clothing you, whatever. As I was thinking of that, Carolyn and I are blessed with living a block away from the town park where they have a really neat jungle gym set. And uh, whenever the kids are trying something a little bit over their limit, the mom's right there a foot away. Dad's over there having a coffee on the picnic table. I mean, he, he's good, but and, and, and if the, the child falls, you think you never run. Hey, Dad, you say, Mommy, and you run over to her and she cleans you up, whatever. And Dad says, Toughen up, boy. <laughs> so, so you get used to your mom's love that way, and you just think the same with our father. He, he wants now to be in that position where everything you want, need just spending time is all about him and as we uh, think of that I'm re I was reminded of uh, 
How many people in here remember rabbit ears on the top of your TV? There's a bunch of old people in here. They all... <laughs> rabbit ears, you knew that you had like a three-section prong. You pulled out as high as you could to reach up, and that was for reception. And we believe that's the same with raising your hands unto the Lord. We are raising our hands in worship and praise also with better reception. So I just uh, encourage you as we uh, look through the congregation, there's more and more people raising their hands all the time. And uh, just want to encourage you, if you're someone that's not raising your hand and you're in a section where there's not a whole bunch of them doing it, you could think, Maybe the guy beside you is waiting for you to raise yours and, and he'll follow your lead. But either way, just think of it as you're raising your hand to the Lord. I'm getting closer to him. Thanks, you guys. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. <laughs>